0: Emotions are the clue as to what's going on in your internal system.
1: Welcome to the Dear Younger Me podcast. I'm your host, Peter Egway. If you could give three pieces of advice to your younger self, what would they be? Our guests answer that question and tell their story with as much honesty as they can bear. No names needed, but I try to make sure everything remains raw. So, If you want to get involved or for anything else drop me a line via hello at dearyounger.me On this episode we discuss past lives like we're five, sacrificing your 30s to live your 40s and the cool concept of mirror work versus shadow work. Welcome to the Dear Younger Me podcast Gavin, can you introduce yourself for the audience?
0: Yeah with pleasure, thank you so much for uh, hosting me uh, Peter. My name is Gavin Scott. Um, I'm host of the Stay Outstanding podcast. It's all about mindset. I'm also an impact leader, motivational speaker and truth teller. Um, So if you are lost in life and you don't know what to do, then uh, get a hold of me and I'll give you some direction. And hopefully you'll get some amazingly free advice as Peter and I delve deep into our younger selves.
1: Perfect segue. to the first piece of advice that you
0: give to your younger self. Boom, that's an easy one, man. I've got that. Three simple words, stay the course. Now, what does it mean, stay the course? It means don't allow the outside world to influence your decision hmm. process. Ultimately, the choice is yours. So if you hold something near, if you hold something dear and you want to grab it with all your heart and you want to get there, stay the course. There's going to be challenges in life. There's going to be things that take you off course. There's going to be unexpected twists and turns. The answer that you're looking for is stay the course.
1: There's so much in this one because you're talking about ignoring sort of the world and ignoring sort of the feedback that the world gives you. But before we get to that, what I want to ask you is when this piece of advice first dawned on you, what was the first point at which you thought, you know, staying the course is crucial?
0: It would have been about a couple of years ago when I had my grand spiritual awakening, You see, I used to uh, have a very big business of my own. I used to work for corporates, did many, many jobs, and I got lost along the way. I was influenced by other people, and I wasn't following my true self, my authentic self. What did I want? What did I want for myself? Or what did society want for me? What did my family want for me? What did my friends want for me? What did the newspapers, that print, negative stuff every single day, what did they do for me? You know, a bit like a a billy goat, yeah? You can be herded through the gate or you can choose to be one in the pack and jump over.
1: And, And that's, I think, one of the really difficult things about staying the course, right, is there are so many different demands on you, like you said, from the media to family. How do you navigate that? How do you pick which course to stay on?
0: Great question, man. It really is. And uh, actually, I'm bringing out a course, an online course, um, Q3 this year. So anyone wants to jump on the website, you'll find it there. But basically, it's about knowing who you really are. So when I say, Peter, tell me who you are, what would you, how would you respond? Yeah, so my instinctive
1: thing is to tell you what I do. And I know that's the wrong answer. I would then tell you, I am a person who tries to spread as much positivity as possible with the ultimate goal of being the best dad that I can be. That seems insufficient. As soon as I finished it, that seemed insufficient. Um, I'm a lawyer too. So again, I'm going back to what I do. All right. Tell me what I meant to say. What am I meant to say to that question?
0: I know because I'm not Peter. I can tell you is the answer should not be any expression of identity that society has sort of put upon us. So I'm a father, I'm a lawyer, I'm 30 years old. Whatever it is, these are not the right answers. an answer. So, okay, let's do this the other way around. Why don't you ask me?
1: Gavin, who are you?
0: Well, Peter, I am an extraordinary being of light and consciousness that's here to play the game at the highest level possible and raise the vibrations here on earth.
1: And what's the game?
0: Well, you see, we all came from consciousness and we've lost along the way our consciousness. So it's to get back to the grassroots of consciousness.
1: And that's the game, get back to the grassroots of consciousness. And what do you win if you win that game?
0: You you become obviously part of the eternal source energy. So in other words, you become love. Now it's possible to become love without returning to source because by our very definition, we are already source energy. Now, some of you might be thinking, oh shit, what the hell is this bloke talking about? Well, it's quite simple, right? If you look out into the stars and the universe and the galaxy, right? There's energy out there and it all comes into little fragments, all little pieces. Well, this world came together from all those little pieces coming together, right? Mm -hmm. Then us humans, have also come from outside onto this planet and put together with all these little pieces. So we are all fragments of the universe in millions and trillions of little particles formed as the human experience. So there's a lot of people out there that don't have an awareness about consciousness. They maybe aren't aware of it. Maybe they don't believe in it, but Your life will change the minute you believe in it. Now, no one can make you believe in it, but do the homework, guys. That's all I'm going to say. How do you find out who you truly are? Meditation, the gateway to knowing who you truly are. Sitting still with yourself. You see, every single day we're running this inner thoughts, boom, 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 I'm having thoughts, I'm having thoughts, but actually I'm speaking here, but actually I'm still running my thoughts here and I'm speaking here. Man, if you get peace and quiet between your ears, then you can listen to what your soul is saying. And when you listen to your soul, then you can combine your source energy with your spirit. And that is the connection that we're looking for. That is consciousness.
1: So one of the things, right, about meditation. So I spoke on one of the other episodes uh, about going on a meditation retreat once. I went on a 10-day Vipassana retreat. And one of the guys on the retreat was an MMA fighter. Fascinating. Because for the whole time, it's silence, right? So we don't speak to each other. But after it finishes, he basically explains why he'd been sitting at the back of the hall for so many of the sessions. Like, I, I remember him, he was wearing a grey hoodie and he'd sit on a chair at the back of the hall, kind of separate from everyone. And the reason why was because at his rawest, once he quietened his mind, basically he wanted to break people's arms and dislocate their shoulders and do all sorts of MMA stuff to them. So the question is, right, Gavin? For him, he'd... Strip away all the layers, he'd get down to the base. And the base for him was he wanted to fight. Should he stay the course or should he pause and reflect?
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I think anybody should do what fulfills them in this life. The question is are they conscious? So he connected with himself, fine, but was he connecting with his conscious self? You see, we're made up of the mind, body, and spirit. Now, he can be connecting to any one of those three or two of those three, but because of what you've said, I'm not sure he was connected to all three.
1: Okay. I see what you mean. I see what you mean. So by, by virtue of that, at the point at which he, in a sense, quietened his mind, he still hadn't fully connected to the bits of him that would have, expressed compassion for some of these people rather than wanting to basically decapitate them or whatever, whatever it was.
0: It's also possible that he's living his life now because of a past life experience. And therefore, whatever it was that he didn't learn in the past life, he's now being pushed into learning now. I don't know. So, so
1: explain, ex- explain past lives to me. This is something I've, I've heard from time to time. I don't fully understand conceptually how it works, but explain it to me like I'm five,
2: past lives. Great question. Explain it like you're five. I don't have any kids. (laughs) Um, All right, like I'm 10, like I'm 10. Hang on, hang on. I'll do it, I'll do it. Okay, so I, Gavin, was once John. Many, many years ago, John used to work for the king as a foot soldier. As a foot soldier, I went into battles and wars on the lands of the king. I hurt and murdered many people for my king. When I died, I was reincarnated as Gavin. Now I believe that as a being that was commanded to give pain and suffering that I've come
0: back as somebody who is here to give joy and happiness. So what
2: you experienced in one life is leading you to allow you to live
0: your next life in whichever way you're meant to. Sometimes it's completely opposites, as I said, murder and now happiness. Sometimes, I don't know. We had a very interesting um, couple. David and Carl on my podcast recently. It's not published yet, but phew, they explain it a lot better than I do. <laughs> I can...
1: <laughs> that, that example of John, is that what your past life was or were you just given an example? Uh, is, is it a situation where you have access and you're able to know what your past lives were or is, is that something that's basically just blocked off for me?
0: I mean, if you think about it, Most men at some point, if they've been reincarnated X times, would have been a soldier at some point. That's just the reality. That's how life used to be. Um, so I used that example. Have I personally felt and had that experience? No.
1: Okay. Okay. See, when you, when you were saying that, and I said to explain it like, like I'm five, but I think it's a really interesting concept even purely as a thought experiment to, to imagine living multiple lives. And I don't know if you've ever read this story called the egg by Andy Weir. It's um mm. Oh, it's an awesome story. Like literally it's a story that I don't even want to ruin it. I, I'm just going to say to you and anyone listening, go and read the egg by Andy Weir. It's a short story. Take you about three or four minutes, but by the end, I, I assure you, Gavin, you you won't regret having read it. But while we're on this topic, we've talked about the point at which you had the spiritual awakening. I think you described it as. And I want to go back a little bit further. So I want to know what Gavin was like when he was ten. Did you have any ideas about past lives and your energy and spirit? Like what what were you like when you were ten?
0: And um, I was a. Cuddly, smiley, happy, <laughs> active, little child. What's changed? <laughs>
1: change no, you still, love... you still look cuddly to me. I wouldn't cuddle you, I'm, but I'm yeah. saying you still look cuddly to me. Like, I mean, what what's really changed? It's um, <laughs>
0: <that's> a, <great, laughs> a great question. I'm still cuddly, you're right. Um, I'm still happy.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I just don't have my young body anymore nothing's really changed. All that really has changed is that at that age, you only have certain perceptions or certain skills or certain abilities. And what's happened over age is I've got wisdom and experience. And so when I was 10, I was here and now I'm 43, I'm up here. I I have more layers, more capabilities. That's that's all.
1: Between 10 and 43, would you... Was there ever a point where you stayed the wrong course?
0: Absolutely. So basically, when I was 16, I got into yoga um, and became quite spiritual. Um, I took a gap year when I was 18. I grew dreadlocks down to my buttock cheeks. Um I used to, you know, be quite uh rebellious and enjoy a nice puff and whatnot. And then I went to university. And uh, just before I got to university, my mum passed away. She died of cancer.
2: And that basically changed my life forever. I stopped believing in, you know, the world, in the universe, in in energy.
0: I saw energy as a negative because energy had taken my mother from me, right? Um and so you know i went for many years just continuing to enjoy a bit of puff and all that really did was just hide whatever it was that i was feeling or wanting to get out and i went for another uh, gap year after university and i traveled around the world i went to a space camp i went all around india southeast asia central america had a wild experience And uh, I got back from that experience, and my dad was like,
2: right, enough of this, time for you to get a job. What did I do? Got a job. Now, don't get me wrong. I've known since I
0: was about 12 that I was a born entrepreneur. So I've got to feed that inner ability somehow. Absolutely have to. Otherwise, I'm always going to be unfulfilled. So I went off and I started working for some house builders in the UK. And I went up the ranks pretty quick because I was good at what I did. I had the mouse. And, um, you know, I kept going up and up and up. And then four or five years later, I just thought, sod this. You know, this isn't any sort of a life. And I went out to Costa Rica and I lived there for about, well, quite some time, like seven, eight years. And uh, then I came back because I hadn't quite made what I refer to often as the sustainable future there. In other words, I hadn't found a way of getting income and this, that, and the other. So I went back to UK to get money. And then I uh, started my own company. I thought, I know what. I will uh, work my 30s. And live my 40s why did I want to work my 30s I wanted to sacrifice everything so that I could uh, you know afford my family the safe haven of the best health care and good education and stuff like that and there was a point during my 30s where I had about five six million pounds in my bank account and uh, my investors, uh, bless them, they decided one day that they they hadn't bled me enough. You know, they'd taken my energy, my soul. I was working 20-hour days, six and a half days a week. And so they decided to bankrupt me. And they took my
2: five or six million pounds. And... I just kind of, you know, at that stage, was lost again.
0: A bit like after my mum passed away. I just, it's not obviously the same, but, you know, I was lost. So I did six months traveling around Southeast Asia, six months in Costa Rica doing a yoga teacher training course. And uh, I came home and my dad was like, right, what now, son? I was like, I don't know. Looking for adventure, you know, looking for something. And uh, he had this partner out in Malaysia. So I said, Well, you're always talking about Malaysia. Why don't I go out there and work for the partner and see what happens, you know, let you know what's going on on the ground. So off I went out to Malaysia and I had three great years out there traveling around Asia Pacific region, selling UK property investments into APAC. And uh, I'm, I'm going to cut a very long story short, but basically I got the last flight east to west during the early stages of the pandemic uh, to be with my family in London because none of us knew when we'd next see anyone or fly or this, that or the other. And, uh, you know, it was really in lockdown then in, in London that I reawoke, and what happened is, is I was trying to affect the outside world. I was like, right, how can we get this, Gavin? How can we do this? Let's go, ding, 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 ding. And actually, nothing, nothing could happen. Everyone was locked down. No one wanted to work because they were being paid by the government. I don't know why the government ever did that. It seems like the most stupid thing in the universe to me. Uh, we now have a lazy, lazy workforce. Congratulations, dear government. That was
2: a wonderful idea. Um, and yeah, I couldn't affect the outside world. So I went inside and
0: when I went inside, that's when I woke up. Cause I went to everything I could get my hands on. I went to Tony Robbins. I went to seminars, webinars, masterclasses. I bought courses. I read books. I did exercise, whatever you could do to learn about your internal world. I did. And I'm now roughly at about two years, uh, into that journey.
1: Okay. And you ended with the word journey. And I was going to say to you from the very sad uh, moment you shared with us about your mom, when you were 18 to what you just said now, like, it sounds like a really winding journey, a journey that's taken you to several countries and, and seen you do different things before we dive into that journey, I want to ask you though, for the second piece of advice that you'd give
0: your younger self. Yeah, man, this is such a crucial, crucial, crucial piece
2: of advice. Again, three words, control your emotions. Now, when I say control
0: your emotions, I don't mean don't cry because people will see you as a sissy boy. What I mean is, Emotions are the clue as to what's going on in your internal system. Now, that is part of life's mysterious and beautiful navigation system. And we've all got it intuitive and it's there. We just have to access it. So, why do I say control your emotions? Here's why a ship with no captain is unlikely to reach its destination. A ship with a captain and a destination is going to get there. So you can either let your emotions control you and that's the ship with no captain, or you can control your emotions and be the ship with a captain.
1: So, so I want to ask you about that because like I said, I wanted to explore this journey that you'd shared with us and right at the beginning of that journey you talked about just about to start uni 18 essentially going from the cusp of being a boy to being a man from being somebody that's dependent to somebody that's independent and essentially the most important person quite frankly in pretty much anyone's life is gone not to come back and yeah share share what
2: that's like for a young man I mean, you know, within a mere second, my life was changed forever.
0: Life would never be the same again. And I probably didn't deal with it in the best way. Uh, I smoked my way through the pain. I just kind of basically put it to one side. I didn't want to feel the pain. It was too much. And so I smoked my way through it. And uh, all that did, if you're thinking that's a good idea to anyone that's listening, it's not. all All that happens is you suppress those emotions and you become withdrawn. So we were just talking about emotions. I suppressed my emotions. So I didn't control my emotions. I didn't use them to my best ability. I let them control me. And in doing so, what happened was, I became weak. I didn't empower myself. I became weak. So, I mean, you know, as a young kid going to university, I I, I lived a privileged upbringing, man. Middle class. My dad worked his ass off so that we could all have the best just like I wanted to for my thirties, for my kids. And, uh, you know, I went to boarding school and stuff. And so the first night when I turned up at university, I've already been on a gap year. You know, I've been to Central America on a language exchange for six months and travelled South America for four months. I've had huge amounts of life experience. I went to boarding school when I was nine years old. You know, I turned up at university and some people were just there crying their eyes out like little babies, because they'd never spent a night from home. And there was Gav with his dreadlocks down to his bum, just hanging out, chilling, being like, "Hey, man, what's the big deal? We're all here to party. Hey!" So I mean, in that respect, university was kind of quite fun. Did I confront my mum's, you know passing or death with with the full intent and the best, no, no, I didn't. I just, I didn't want to deal with the pain. I avoided it. I just, you know, buried it deep.
1: Again, obviously it's, it's delicate. Cause I, I, years ago I used to work for well, one of the transport companies, like big transport company in London. And I remember being on a course and, um, one of the people on the course was a train driver. And he, he, he basically just threw out this, this question. He said, um, he basically said on what day of the year do most people kill themselves on the transport network? And everybody comes up with different days, you know, Valentine's day and Christmas day, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And nobody guessed the right day. And he said at the end, it was mother's day. And as soon as he said it, it was like, yeah, 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 yeah. That makes that, that makes sense but it was so sad as well, right? Because so many times I've been on a train, sort of looking at my watch, wondering why it's been delayed because someone, you know, jumped in front of it. But the reality of it is, is that that moment of, of losing someone so important is, is very difficult. So that's a long preamble to ask you about what it was like at the moment you uncorked your emotions in respect of your mum
2: taking taken me decades, man. I'm still processing it. Not something that's ever going to leave me. Um, all I do know is that she's not really gone.
0: She's here in spirit with us. And, you know, her memory lives on through us. And, you know, we've got to enjoy the, the time that we have with the people that we love. And what's your favorite memory? Oh man, it's such a such a tough question.
1: I don't have to pick the favorite, but just a just a just a go-to memory that you'd be willing to share.
0: Well, people, people, you say your favorite. It's like to me, I use language as a recipe. So you say the favorite, I'm like, oh, the
2: favorite, the favorite.
1: yeah, the epitome. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean.
2: Um, look, man, I just think like. The best
0: time would clearly be whenever there was something wrong, their mum would be, and I'd be in her arms and everything would be okay. That's those were the best times. It's a situation that I've, I've
1: seen um, people go through and it's not one touch wood that, that I've, I've gone through yet, but it's um, like you said, it's something that resonates for, for, for decades. But as you said, you know, wherever she is, she's looking down on you and she's seen an individual who's grown from that moment to being somebody who, like you said, is out there trying to strengthen other people and ensure that there's captains on their ships sailing them to more sensible destinations. So in light of your advice, control your emotions, what are three tips you'd say for an individual in relation to someone who feels maybe they they've lost control of their emotions or they've lost control of the ability to express their emotions properly. What three tips and they don't have to be the best three, but just three tips that you'd give (laughs) to supplement your advice.
0: One meditation, 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 meditation. It is the gateway to understanding what's going on inside. Now, so many people think "Ah," is meditation. Yeah, okay, it is meditation. But I've had trouble getting into a meditative state before because my inner voice is so strong. And I find music is really helpful. So I will play mantras, yogic mantras. And effectively, they will just repeat themselves over and over and over again. And what will happen is, is I'll get into a trance-like state. Well, when I get into that trance-like state, the inner voice can't be heard anymore. And the moment I'm in that trance-like state, I'm in meditation. And that's that's another way to enter a meditative state if you have problems doing it. Uh, so one, meditation. Two, we are looking to control
2: our emotions so I would say journaling, like writing down everything. I know people don't like the terminology journaling
0: because let's get a diary and let's write and write. Bollocks to that. Just take out a piece of paper. And when a thought comes to mind, just write it down. And once that thought is down, then explore it, ask why, ask how, ask when, and then do the same thing again. The next time a thought comes up, write the thought down. Where, why, when, how, et cetera. And eventually you'll begin to see a pattern because there's always a pattern. And once you know the pattern, then you'll be able to be like, well, this is the right strategy, or this is the right strategy. Or maybe I should go this way. But without that data or knowledge, you're kind of driving the boat in the dark without any light. So journaling. And number three, to
2: control your emotions. I would say Hmm. number three. Yeah, number three. I'm going to split it into A and B mirror work and shadow work so mirror
0: work is looking at yourself in the mirror and asking yourself like a complete stranger what is going on and really get to grips with those emotions really understand where you are at the moment and then the shadow work is going into the places that you don't like about yourself and accepting them and loving them for being a part of who you are. In other words, what you're trying to do with that work is stabilize the emotional energy.
1: Yeah, I really like the the concept of the mirror work and the shadow work. I, I don't think I've heard it described like that before, but two very useful perspectives at looking at oneself. Like you said, there's one which is the, you know, having a word with oneself, you know, what's going on here. And then there's the other, which is really just delving into the dark shadow. Yeah, we all have, but what I liked about what you said was about accepting what you find there, because I think so much of meditation, self-help more generally, I think is, it's the bits of us that we don't like. And we do everything to hide from ourselves that causes so many different problems um, for ourselves. I, um, I I like that. I find that interesting. Also like the way that you described earlier on, you said your emotional world, the internal world is a clue as to what's going on in your internal system. It's like a navigation system. Intuitive navigation system. And I thought that's a really beautiful description. And I was curious as to how you came upon that.
0: you got some good questions, Peter. I'll give you that. Um, how did I? So basically, one of the things I did this year was a 28-day juice detox.
1: What juice? Which juice?
0: All different types of juices. I followed uh, Jason Vale's Super Juice Me. Uh, detox. So there's an app for a fiver, and you get all the you get all the juices, um, the recipes. So what I really learned from that, and uh, we're putting a documentary out on YouTube soon, is uh, that I didn't realise how emotional I am, man.
2: Basically,
0: I used to do five to ten minutes a day in the camera room, like Big Brother talking about mindset, what happened that day. So that's where the documentary is coming from, day to day, day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, etc. And basically, the first thing I would do, because I work from home, is at
2: any moment when my emotions start to bubble, reach for food. And I was like, oh, man, you know... I've never considered myself an emotional person, but here I am, I'm really emotional. Like, who is this guy? Like I thought I knew myself well enough.
0: Wow, like my mind has just totally exploded on this personal journey of growth I've been on. Every day was a massive nugget of surprise and joy in, in the surprise. And uh, it was really then that I was like, okay, hmm, let's really look at these emotions. Let's look at the past. Let's go back three months. Let's go back six. Let's go back a
2: year. Let's go back two years. And so now, every day, take a tea break. How am I feeling? What's going on inside? What's cooking? What's blending? And I'll just just use it as guidance. So like they say, if your
0: intuitive system is in tune, then it's telling you or teaching you something about what it is you're experiencing so that you can go on and experience the things that you're meant to experience. So it's a guide and you're meant to experience the things that you're experiencing. It's not that you're Unique. It's not that you're not having a normal human experience. These are all total normal realities. It's just whether you choose to hone in to that guidance system or how well you tune into that guidance system. So man, big one for me recently Uh, met a girl crazy as can be and I've got no idea. Well, I do have an
2: idea. My stomach's in knots. And it's basically to do with communication. I'm here, she's there. And I'm like, okay, what's this knot? And I'm like, what's it teaching me? What am I meant to learn? What am I missing? And what happens is really quite interesting. I'm like, okay, you know what? All outcomes, joy and happiness, rejection and devastation. Doesn't matter. Live in the present moment and breathe. And not releases. And I feel normal.
0: Or I can attach myself to one of those outcomes, joy and love, and all of a sudden that knot is going, or I can attach it to rejection and devastation, and the knot's
2: going. So what's life trying to teach me? What's the intuitive guidance saying? Take a guess, Peter. The intuitive guidance is saying to you, that you've found a
1: very good girl and you need to step up Gavin and, and do what's required to make her smile as much as she can. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm reading between the lines here, Gavin. No, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think that I really like your description about the it's, it's like a gauge and I don't know, the, the RPM indicator on your cars at 3000, what's that telling telling you to do? I don't know if that's telling you to speed up or slow down, but at the very least, it's telling you to pay attention to it
2: and use it to make your life better. So basically, here's the magic key. It's telling me to be devoid of outcome, place No importance on
0: outcome and just be present with myself. Be content with my journey. Be content with my process.
2: Be content. That's it. All of a sudden, everything else melts away. The moment I say,
0: love of my life, she's the one. I've got to do this for her. I've got to do that for her. I've got. I'm trying to control through
2: manipulative behavior. That's not love. Like, oh, I've got to do this. No, man, no. Like, don't get me wrong. I'd love to move uh,
0: the earth for her, but uh, I can't. She wants to move the earth. She has to do it for herself.
1: I like so much in in what you said. Um, And one of the things that you said at the end which is a philosophy actually that I, I, I didn't actually know there was anyone else who looked at the world like this. But if love as a word didn't exist, I'm not sure at its highest I would be spending a huge amount of time in my most intimate relationships throwing the word around because a word means nothing compared to what I actually do and how I actually feel. And I have felt for a lot of my life actually that sometimes the words that you borrow from other people constrain you to their perspective of of reality. Whereas over the years, by connecting maybe with the way that I feel about the world, I don't actually need to describe it. I just move through it. And I found that so much easier. Um, I, I don't use the description of what you said about the gauge of what's going on in the internal system. My metaphor analogy is I imagine like a boardroom and around this boardroom, you know, there's different characters, there's anger and there's hunger and there's my, my cerebral self and there's the emotional self. And to be really honest, I realize that for most of my life, the emotional person at that table gets absolutely no respect, none at all. Like literally, it's almost like we've, as soon as they start speaking, it's like, yeah, 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 let the big people talk. Let, let, let intellect and, and ego and all of these other people talk because we do not care what you have to say. And it was a couple of years ago where Emotions, who was at this point handcuffed and gagged in a corner somewhere, basically wriggled free and said something that just blew me away, made me realize that, you know what? Maybe in all of this time, if I'd have been paying a bit more attention to this voice, I'd be in a far, far better situation. And um, strange thing about emotions, it's, it's like what you were saying about hunger and the way that hunger until you fasted wasn't something that you could actually see. It was operating in your life. It was doing different things to you, pulling you in different directions. But until you were able to be still enough to notice even the smallest ripple, it was completely hidden from you. Yeah. Listen, we could go on and on, but we've got more of your journey to explore. And I want to know what the third piece of advice you'd give your younger self is.
0: Well, I'm not going to let you get off the hook that easy. (laughs) I want to know what the emotional uh, character was doing
2: in the corner, gagged and tied up.
0: This, this is basically what it was,
1: was that for various reasons through my life, it had been a useful strategy for me to ignore that voice. You know, I had a difficult childhood by any sort of metric and my ability to intellectualize was very useful, made me successful at school and got me out of trouble and, you know, made sure that my, no matter how bad I was, my teachers always had a little bit of faith, like, oh, maybe he might come good. But ultimately, the emotional aspects of me continue to get quietened and silenced. Like I said, by the end, my emotional sense was in a corner, gagged and sort of handcuffed. And the only point at which it would be unleashed is when I play sport. When I play sport, I'm like a wild man. I'd never swear in my day-to-day life, really. I get onto a football pitch and I just go, it's like I go insane. And I come off the pitch pretty much every time, like, what the hell just happened? And what it is, is that on a football pitch, I don't have the controls. I'm completely unable. I'm completely inarticulate on a football pitch. I'm unable to intellectualize anything. I'm just being and feeling. Anyway, a a point arose where I realized that I, by ignoring, ignoring that emotional gauge, that emotional indicator, what I was essentially doing was putting my emotional self into a situation where it was going to have to act right because I've read many books about you know you the intellect is the rider and your emotions the elephant and all of these different analogies always talk about the fact that your intellect thinks it's tough and clever but your emotional world if it really decides to will just bolt and there's nothing that that rider is going to be able to do to bring it under control anyway there was a point at which I realized that in the worst moments of my life, those worst moments consisted of moments where my brain was essentially grabbing the reins and completely ignoring the fact that this elephant was saying, no, I don't want to walk towards that cliff edge. Doesn't make sense. And my brain's like just trotting along, not worrying about it. And the point at which I harmonize the two I'm not all emotions. I'm not all brain. I'm probably 10 more cerebral than I do to emotions. But my brain now respects that voice. It has a pride a place at the table. It's no longer, you know, you know like a this this you know, intern this 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 thing that's going to cause problems and waste time. It's actually a really really valuable voice to the point where my intellectual speak It'll finish what it's saying and then it will stop. It will glance over at this little emotional self in the corner and really say like, yo, what do you think? Because that person, that, that emotional voice has a veto now that it didn't have before. And my life's been better as a consequence of it. So there's so many different particular scenarios I could have given you, but that's really the summary of the lessons I learned and that's why I said, I, I really like the description of it, your emotions being a clue as to what's going on in your internal systems, like a navigation system. If you hone them, and you know, man, sometimes I regret not having honed these since I was a young boy, but I can imagine if you can hone that emotional compass, boy, like, you, could, I'm not saying you could live your life without thinking. But you probably won't have to think so much. You do so many more things on, 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 on emotional autopilot, like a, a strong, resilient, reliable, healthy emotional autopilot rather than the obliviously crazy emotional autopilot that a lot of us have as, as default or, um, as a consequence of all the things that we've been through previously. But I've been speaking for a long time. I'm going to let you have your comeback. Then I want your third piece of advice. I'm not meant to be the the, the, the focus of this show.
0: Oh, but you are, Peter. Oh, but you are. You are the creator. Um, I think it's also nice for your listeners to uh, get to know you a little bit more intimately than you might normally allow yourself to be seen. Uh, and we, we were talking about a very intimate subject, so... Thank you for uh, being vulnerable to me and your audience. Thank you for
1: the question. Thank you for the question. Third piece of advice for younger self.
0: I'm going to step back two seconds before we do the third piece of advice and just comment on the emotions thing. You were talking about your boardroom, right? And this is a really weird one, right? Where the emotions character was just looked at like a loser, completely lost respect for. Well, with this beautiful lady that i met inside and out i'm just like you know what if i say this if i do that if i like you know she should know you know don't be afraid tell her your emotions man like and then and then i'll have a moment of clarity and i'll be like no 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 (laughs) you're masculine you're not feminine come on you've got to be this warrior and then i'll be i'll be having a breakdown and i'll be like No, no, no. This is happening because I've got to tell her. I've got to tell her. And then, you know, and then and I'm like, hang on. Get a grip, lad. What's bloody wrong with you? Then, <laughs> step in line.
1: Stiff up her lip, old boy.
0: <laughs> so, uh, but there's that initial stage in a relationship where you can't show your emotions. Otherwise, you are seen as weak. And it's, it's a very interesting balance because I... I have a problem with that, and my problem is I want to be genuine. Like, If I'm feeling something and I want to and choose
2: to share it with you, then you should see that as a strength, not as a weakness, but
0: 99.9% of human people don't have the ability to say, holy shit, this guy's being genuine this guy's being authentic. No one's ever done this before. I love this guy. So it, it's, it's fascinating, man. It's fascinating. I don't know whether I'm going to wait to find that 0.009 out there somewhere and be like that, but we'll see. I just thought it was an interesting perspective to comment on. Um, third piece of advice to my younger self. Hmm.
2: hmm. The first two are quite easy. Let's think about this. I will say, be your authentic self. So it's kind of very much in line with stay the course. But be your
0: authentic self suggests that you've done the work and you know yourself inside and out. And, you know, when you're in alignment, mind, body, soul, there's nothing that can stop you like what you're meant to experience. You are meant to experience, what you're not meant to experience. You're not meant to experience what you're meant to go through and struggle with. You're meant to go through and struggle with what you're meant to go through and experience bliss and joy with. You're meant to experience bliss and joy with the question is, during all of these experiences, are you being true to yourself? Now, There's a lot of people that aren't. So here's the greatest example. And just before I give the example, I'm going to take 10 seconds out to laugh at myself. I've got the old Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer right here. Came down from the ski mountain yesterday and I had a nice burn front of the old honker there. So that's if anyone is watching, then that's why it is red. I don't know why that bit only got done and none of the rest. But anyway, boom. Right. Here's a great example
2: for you guys, being your authentic self. Um, created my company, started going up in stature in the world, being looked on like a great member of society, millions of pounds in the bank. What does that all really mean? What was I being perceived as? How did I perceive myself?
0: Investors decide to rob me? made bankrupt, go on a sabbatical, go traveling, learn to teach yoga. Now, I'm traveling around Southeast Asia. I'm learning to teach yoga in Costa Rica. Everything on the outside looks
2: great. Isn't Gav having a great life experience? Gav goes to Malaysia, works three years in Malaysia. Travels around Asia Pacific doing business deals and having fun. Doesn't that life sound great? Well, don't get me wrong, life was great. But what was happening was I was subconsciously reacting. In other words, I was going through life. Just reacting. So things would come up, I'd react. Something
0: would come up, I'd react. Something would come up, I'd react. And it wasn't until I had my awakening and started doing all my internal work
2: that I realized all of a sudden I was taking conscious action. So subconscious reaction versus conscious action action. What's the difference?
0: The difference is conscious action comes from my authentic self. Subconscious reaction is me just reacting to the environment that I'm in that is pushing
2: me in all sorts of different directions and places. And I'm completely out of control. Subconscious
0: reaction versus conscious action
2: great great example of being my authentic self
1: yeah i again i like these um frameworks that you're putting up because again it's it's one that's so subtle so easy to miss but the difference between the two the subconscious um essentially just like, like, a, like a twig in a river just being blown along with a current compared with an individual who's swimming for a particular point, for, for you're, you're doing something. The difference between being active and, and being passive. And again, it's a question. You've had this experience, bankruptcy, which I want you to expound on in, in a moment. But how did all of this traveling allow you to find or establish your authentic self? I have my idea, right? And I'm, I'm, I, I want to see what you
2: say, though, before I colour what you have to say. All the travelling, did it help me? Not really. What helped me was being still in lockdown in London. Okay. So how do you trick someone that knows every trick in the book. Hmm.
0: You rewrite the manuscript.
2: You create a new book. That's what you do. And that's what I did. And how did you do that? Well, as I said, I basically spent every waking
0: hour of every day for months and months attending anything
2: mindset. I was tired of reacting it became clear to me that
0: on the outside whilst everything was good you know the surface was well polished man on the inside it wasn't like there was just a part of me that had faded and died and um you know they're saying the truth shall set you free that's that's where it all changed when I discovered the truth that I was lying to myself, that I was just going through life reacting. Like all this stuff about me telling everyone, yeah, great, I've had the most amazing life experience, da da da. And everyone's like, Wow, man,
2: Gav. And yeah, wow, man, Gav. But am I actually connected? No.
0: So Man, you know, I look at, you talked about it earlier, my 18-year-old self, or let's even go back to my 16-year-old or 15-year-old self just before my mum
2: got ill. And I think, I want to be that kid again. Hmm. Why? Because every
0: shackle that we put upon ourselves to have free thought is removed to that stage in life. At least it was for me. You know, as I said, I was lucky. I had a privileged upbringing. And I look also, I look at my 26-year-old self, 27-year-old self. Like, I applied for The Apprentice. I got through, but didn't want to be on it. I, you know, I could do anything in life. I could be anybody in life. I could do what I wanted when I wanted to. Want to raise $100 million, Go and raise $100 million. Want to move to Buenos Aires? Move to Buenos Aires. Like, you can't tell me that I'm not capable of doing it. But since all of these things, the shackles of free thought come back. And so that's where I am right now in my own journey is making my way back to free thought. I'm close. I'm really close.
1: And what do you think free thought will look like? Do you have an idea?
0: Oh, I know what it's going to look like, man. It's going to be a 24-year-old, energetic, don't take no shit from nobody. I'm going to do this.
2: Like, you know, meet the girl the other night. I wonder what she's thinking. Should I do this? Should I do that?
0: (laughs) Do you think my 24-year-old self had those thoughts? (laughs) My 24-year-old self would be like... Yo, God, what's going on? <laughs> you know, there'd be no, no thought there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When, when you were talking, you said about, you know, 16. Again, and the analogy I use sometimes in looking back to how I was when I was younger, and you said, oh, you had a privileged upbringing. I think one of the things about being young is being young is a privilege in and of itself, right? And... The thing about being young, so the analogy I use is skateboarding. If you learn to skateboard young, skateboarding, no problem, right? You fall over, no problem. People, you know, laugh, joke, you jump back on the skateboard, do what you're doing. It's very, very few 50 year olds who decide they want to take up skateboarding because it's hard. Their joints aren't going to take it, but more than that, their ego isn't going to be able to take it, right? The, the, the laughter when they fall over and have to get back up again, they don't have what that 16-year-old has. And a 50-year-old will say it's down to bodies. Oh, it's because my knees don't work. It's because, you know, I've got this injury or that injury. But really what it comes down to is the belief that a 16-year-old has, like you said, that I can be anything. Like give me a week and I'll, I'll make it work. Uh, one of my favorite quotes, they say people overestimate what they can achieve in a week and underestimate what they can achieve in a year. And I think at 16, that's a perfect description of how I was. Like I completely overestimated what I could achieve in a week. And sometimes I actually managed to pull it off. <laughs> Against all odds, I actually managed to pull it off. But becoming a man has been the point at which I realise, okay, people underestimate what they can achieve in a year. And it's really trying to marry the two. It's trying to have that youthful vigor with the, you know, the wisdom of an older person that lets you know that it's probably a good idea to sharpen the ax before you chop down the tree rather than just start swinging at the tree as I would when I was young. It's a, it's a real balance. It's a real balance. Do you think you've found a good balance or are you, are you still trying to strengthen yourself in particular ways after you're mindset boot camp during lockdown?
0: Well, my mindset boot camp didn't stop during lockdown. It's still going on. It's gonna be a lifelong commitment from now on. I spend about two hours a day and it's in my diary on my own personal growth. So during lockdown, I studied everything mindset. I got all these books, courses, this and the other. I didn't really have any relationship except with myself at that stage. That's why my course that's coming out is all about understanding and knowing yourself.
2: And then recently this relationship popped up and I was completely caught off guard. And now I'm just like trying to
0: rewrite the script. I'm trying to learn whatever I can about the mindset with specific relation to relationships externally of myself. And I'm gonna cut a very long story short for your listeners. I'm gonna save them many, many hours of hard, hard work. Here's the one thing you're gonna learn from any explorative
2: journey around mindset with others in relationships. It's all bollocks. It's all bollocks. Don't study the extra relationship. The only relationship that matters is yourself, your relationship with yourself.
0: And that is all it is. Because you otherwise will seek to provide for their needs. You will seek to portray what your idea
2: of the ideal partner looks like on them. You won't actually allow them to be their real selves. You will take pain from them and give it back in return. Like, that's not the relationship that you want. The relationship that you want is,
0: what you're saying right now is actually harming me. I'm quite sensitive to the way that you're talking, but I recognise where you're talking from and I respect it's a
2: place of love and I think whatever it is that you want to do, I will support you. Mind-blowing. Did you see that? Two entirely different conversations from the identical place. You have a choice. You have a choice. You have a choice. I am um,
1: really, I've really, really enjoyed this conversation. And as the young people say, I feel gassed right now because I feel like I can go out into the world. And with some of the tools and some of the frameworks that you've provided me with or reminded me of sometimes, I think that you've um, illuminated what's sometimes so difficult, but simultaneously so beautiful about this strange thing we call life, which is like we're trying to ride this wave and it's it's a very difficult wave, wave to ride. Like some of us crash ahead of it, some of us crash behind it, but oh, what it is to be on that wave. So, I would like to end this episode the way that I'll <clears throat> end all of the episodes by asking you, not about the piece of advice that you give your younger self, but about the piece of advice you think you need today, right now. What's a piece of advice you'd give to yourself?
0: That's, that's so interesting. Um, as it stands, sitting here right this minute, Being my authentic self, um, I would say detach from all outcomes.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dear Younger Me podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you want to be on the show, send an email to hello at dearyounger.me.